Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. Fifteen years ago, Aaron had a secret. It had been so long that though I knew the secret, I didn't remember it was a secret. So last month when we were hanging out with friends, I brought it up and asked if she wanted to talk about it on this show. Basically, last weekend when you were here and you were like, you know, we've got to find a time to podcast this or record it. Vicky and Corey were at the table when we were talking about that, which is totally fine. But in my mind, I was like, I don't think I've ever told them. Vicky and Corey are two of our bestest friends. And I very soon thereafter discovered my mistake. Yeah, I actually realized that because <laughs> Corey was here yesterday and like on her way out, I was like, yeah, I'm interviewing Aaron tomorrow. I'm excited about that. And she was like, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah, when she had a Corey was like, I'm sorry, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and of course, yeah. she didn't like have any, you know, feelings about it or anything totally. like that. She, I, and so then I was surprised, like, oh, no. Oh, shit. I said this thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, it's yeah. been so long. I just assume, just like anything, I just like assume we all know all the things, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so I'm well, sorry. Just, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. There's like no secrets, right? It's not, it's not actually a secret. Yeah. But I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, huh, I've never like, it it has a lot to do with like my feelings around it and how they've evolved right oh good she's not furious at me for breaking her trust and basically announcing that she has had an abortion here's how this bit of potential betrayal happened um you know this and i trusted you and we talked about it and had like our rooftop like thousand cigarettes in the pouring rain conversations but i sort of like at that time did not feel good okay about it it was definitely like a shameful secret inside of me and so i like had a couple people like devin was one of them gus was there at the time we were living with him he knew about it but outside of that like i don't didn't tell my sister i didn't tell my mom i didn't tell like really anyone else and It was because I felt so ashamed and so bad and so guilty and dumb. I definitely built a stigma in my mind around abortion and whether that was learned or what, like how I developed that, you know, is probably a product of like caring about it and like dabbling in like the world of like evangelical Christian religion and like. So back when the secret was whispered, when there were cigarettes and tears, when she kept a part of her life hidden from those who love her most, it was because of shame. Yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. Because right now I'm like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll talk about it on your podcast, which you can like, anyone can listen to, right? And um, it's just my, like, my take on it was so different back then. Yeah. And um, I mean, what, a, what a huge realization that like, oh, you hadn't like some of your best friends don't even know that that you went. Right. Through it. Right. Yeah. And it hadn't and like did not occur to me even 
that they didn't know or that I haven't, you know what I mean? Because it was so just resolved, I guess, in my mind, I moved on. Here's what she was afraid of, why she resisted telling even folks close to her. Like at the time, I didn't, like, I definitely thought, and I think you and I talked about this too, like some of our friends would be angry with me. And it wasn't just my own feelings of shame, but I was scared about how, like, they would react um, to the situation because of, you know, their own, like, beliefs around it and religious upbringings and, you know, morals, you know. And I don't know how much of that has, you know, I know it's changed for them um, just in conversations about, like, body autonomy (laughs) and things, but... um, I think that was part of just like, not, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want them to be angry at me. You know, I didn't want them to think of me as like, I don't know. I never thought they would think of me as like, you know, a worse person or something like that and wouldn't like be judging me, but would be angry, like disappointed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's like a difference between They wouldn't write me off as a friend. I didn't feel fear of that, but I just didn't want people to be disappointed in me. Sure. I think now, especially, it's so, so, so incredibly important to talk about these stories. The abortions that are no big deal. The ones that feel scary and shameful. The ones that are a devastating loss. The ones that are joyful and everything in between. Erin agrees which is why she's here now, unburdened, to tell her story with a shame-free narrative. Yeah, so it was funny because when I was thinking about that this morning, I was like, yeah, that was like a weird moment, like when we talked about it on the porch, because I was like, wait, who knows that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in my mind, and I just didn't even realize because it's just... Right. Well, I mean, become... we have, we ha- it's not like it's a topic that we've... You know, we like no. talked about it back then when we happened, when it happened and then like never again till now, you know what I mean? Like, right. And then like a regular right. discussion. So yeah. Right. And I'm like, you know, it's so in the forefront of the news and the community. Like I won't, but it yeah. So makes me wonder like if any, if anyone else has gone through it and like that, I have that exact like, same circulated through, you know? Right. To my knowledge, no one, none other other friend group has, um, but it's totally possible. Right. You know, right. yeah, because I felt like I had to keep it a secret and it was a shameful thing. Um, and, you know, you guys are my best fucking people in the world. And so, yeah. And this is this is exactly why, like, we have to talk about it, right? Like, I, um, you know, I had a friend tell me when we were like 20 that she had Mm -hmm. had an abortion. And like, my reaction was like, so totally inappropriate and like hurtful. Mm -hmm. I basically just like started bawling, like, (laughs) like, it was so totally over the top, you know? Um, Yeah. And I'm so glad she told me, A, because it strengthened our friendship, but also because I was able to, like, be there for you in, like, a normal friend way, I hope. 
yeah absolutely like a weirdo about it like and so each of those conversations just like normalize you know were you crying because she did it or were you crying because you were like feeling sad for her does that make sense the subtle Um, difference but Yes, it was both. It was it was two. It was number one. I believed that the fetus was her child. Right. And I was sad that she had to take that step for the quote child and also for her because I loved and cared about her and she had a child already. And like, so yeah, yeah, it was like my point of view. I, of course, was like not mad or angry or I guess maybe disappointed might be used, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just a reminder here. I was raised in the evangelical church. Family was always, quote, pro-life, anti-abortion. It was just about the worst thing you could do in life, though getting pregnant out of wedlock was a very close second. So yes, my tears were for her that she had to do this thing, and for the baby that I thought had lost its life. But the reason hearing her story was so important is because it began to chip away at the narrative from the anti-choice side around who accesses abortion and why they do so. I knew her to be a good, kind friend, a caring mother, a Christian, someone who wasn't sleeping around all willy-nilly. And I am so thankful for that, because then I got to be a friend who has heard many abortion stories and responded in appropriate ways, like, cool, want to get a coffee? Or be a support and comfort without my own judgment and biases all up in the way. Yeah, well, um, you were definitely there for me in an appropriate way. And like, I'm, I don't know, very grateful that I like had the, had the braveness to like tell you um, because I feel like when I think back on that time and like just everything and how I was feeling and um, if I had not told one of our, you know, our friends, I think it would have been a lot worse for me. Yeah. And like the way you reacted definitely made me feel better about it. And I also kind of just like, you know, I picked someone who I knew wouldn't have, (laughs) you know what I mean? Intentionally picked you because I knew you would, I, I don't know. I trusted you and I knew you wouldn't have a strong reaction about it. Maybe that was from conversations we had had previously or I don't know. But um, it definitely, like, you very much helped me sort of reconcile um, my feelings about it and made it not feel like it definitely felt, felt shame, but not as, as, like, dirty little secret, you know? So, yeah. All right, let's rewind. Fifth, almost 15 years ago to the day. Erin was 25 years old. Her boyfriend, Devin, was an artist. They were serious, but the relationship was pretty new. We had been dating, oh my God, maybe like a year. Remember we met, he moved to Italy. He was there for like nine months, moved back. So a little over a year. 
He got back from Italy, they were reunited, and it felt so good. It was a bit of passion at Katie's wedding in one of the cabins with Devin. Oh. Yeah. And that was... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was right after he came back from Italy. So he was away for a long time. He came back. Right. We went to Katie's wedding. It was so romantic. Uh, Yes. Uh, So that's when it happened. The fertilization had occurred, but these two were living like frat kids. He didn't have a job because he had just moved back from Italy. Uh, Hadn't figured his stuff out. I was like paying our rent and our way for things, basically. And um, he... And I were heavily drinking, like not just, I mean, that was like, A, the funnest fucking time of my life, for sure. (laughs) And B, definitely the drunkest time of my life, like up until marriage, he and I were just like going crazy. A shit ton. It was like Um, daily drinking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Daily drinking, lots and lots and lots of it. Frequently, if not most of the time, leading to like a blackout situation. Um, and we hung out with everyone we hung out with, was drinking a lot. And it was part of it. We were like in our, you know, I was in my 20s. He was just turned 30. Um, yeah, a so lot. Living the Santa Barbara lifestyle. Boozy summer camp. I start vomiting like a lot all the time. I'm like, what the fuck is up with this? And feel weird kind of. And so I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant and I was really, really, really sad about it. At the time, I felt completely unprepared to be a mother. You know, I was living with someone who didn't have a job. I, you know, I had a not that like high paying of a job, renting a room in a house with another person, drinking heavily, not ready, not ready to be a mom at all. There was no question in my mind that maybe I was ready to be a mother. It was just like, no. And also, like, I'm a fucking alcoholic. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to safely carry a baby right now. She's not ready to be a mother. And she's not ready to be sober. When she found out, she talked to Devin. I talked to Devin about it. And Devin is very much like, he is more... First of all, he's agnostic, and um, he, at the time, was like, this is not a big deal. We'll go, you go get an abortion. It's no big deal. Um, You know, it's like the size of a cell right now. You know, it's really nothing. Um, And he's sometimes, I think, more of a feminist than I am, (laughs) where he's just like, you know, it's your body. You get to do what you want. And there was never a conversation about like, well, maybe we'll like 
maybe it'll be okay or we'll get our shit together. We just weren't there. Um, so it was just like, this is the solution. This is what I have to do. Um, and, you know, thinking about it too, it's like, I know there are better reasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like my mind goes to like, ranking of reasons to get an abortion right like my reason was not that important right I I could have like done the hard things and got my show together at least I like knew the the father what who the father was we were in a relationship together like we weren't he was trying to find a job you know there are things we could have done to make that work right there are, I feel like a lot, a lot of people who have a lot different story and it's like, there shouldn't, I think, and this is part of like my conditioning of like, you know, that shame around it is like, you have to have a really good reason. Right. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't have a good reason. <laughs> like I could have had a, a better reason or a worse story or, you know, so part of like I think the shame around it was it wasn't like something that could easily be justified if you weigh like what if you weigh abortion very very heavily as like something that is terrible with special conditions where it's okay then in my circumstance you know it I didn't have a good reason good enough This has been the standard framing around abortions, right? The ranking of the reasons from most tragic and thus potentially acceptable down to Aaron's situation. It's inconvenient, and I just don't want to be a parent right now. That's the framing Aaron knew too. And with her dabbling in evangelicalism, she carried that view of the morality of abortions, even judging others before she found herself in their position. I distinctly remember having friends when I lived in Fresno who had had several abortions and I remember like saying I would rather be like dying of AIDS than get an abortion like that was that is like a distinct memory of how I used to feel about it this view was not one Devin could comprehend at all which meant that even though he was with her along the way, ultimately, she was alone. So anyways, I um, called the Planned Parenthood, went in. I was very embarrassed to be there in the waiting room. Devin came with me. He was just like, I don't think he could grasp in my mind where I was with it, right? Right. Right, totally. Because I was trying to be cool about it. (laughs) And um, then they did the thing. It took like two minutes. It was very fast, almost painless. Um, They gave me a Valium beforehand just to like chill me the fuck out. Um, The doctor was super nice. He was just, I remember him going, so how are you today? When like, <laughs> he's like up there and I was like, 
I've had better days and we kind of laughed and you know they were all just like the best people I you know throw as much money as I can at Planned Parenthood because that whole experience was just like so non-judgmental and so nor it felt like a normal like doctor's visit right right there was no shame involved there was no like trying to talk me out of it it was just like this woman has ownership over her body and we're gonna do the thing she wants to do right it was just very it was a very easy thing they made it simple but I remember Devin picking me up and just feeling like just feeling so shitty about it like what were you thinking about like afterwards or do you mean you felt physically shitty no I didn't feel physically shitty I mean I had like a little cramps cramps and stuff but it was not I just felt emotionally shitty I felt really like I felt like a terrible person I felt like I felt like I was swinging between like it's okay and also like I murdered someone and I didn't just murder someone I murdered my own kid my own child right and that was just like and also you know a lot of it is like am I ever going to be forgiven for this right is this like an unforgettable sin basically um yeah I just felt immense guilt immense guilt That right after the procedure, I felt terrible. I felt really bad. I remember just lying in bed for hours, just crying. And, you know, it was also didn't help that, like, Devin was not only the man in the situation, but he had a very different context for it than I did. Right. Like, could not comprehend it at all, not only because he's a man, but also just, like, the world views that you both had at that time. Right. Not comprehend. Yeah. No. No. And I just didn't understand. I mean, he was, of course, really nice. Like, he wasn't like, you know, you'll get your shit together, fucking book up. You know, he was nice. He took me He took me up to Gibraltar that evening. We watched the sunset, you know, had beers, a lot of them. <laughs> but, he, um, you know, he also didn't understand. Just didn't understand where I was coming from. That was a little hard. But at the same time, I've like, you know, I now feel a little more like, he did then about it, I guess. And there are like still to this day, like sometimes where I'm just like, I wonder what that person would have looked like. I wonder what it would have been like. I wonder, you know, um, wonder if it would be, you know, and do the calculation like how old would they be you know sort of go through that thing in my brain and now I do it not with guilt but just with like hmm, you know that that's a door I didn't take right Um, right like just curiosity on that road of life yeah do you think of it as like a person or as not anymore yeah not anymore I don't um I don't I think I've just like my idea of faith and of God and the way the world works is a lot different than it was 15 years ago 
a lot different, like extremely different. And I think it's not just like abortion, but a lot of different things I, I just evolved to think very differently about. And this was, you know, part of that sort of evolution. And I don't, um, when we talked about it, it was a lot about forgiveness. Um, and I did feel forgiven, you know, I did feel like it was like, I felt a lot better. I felt like, okay, you know, it's like, I didn't like end a person. I ended like a possibility, like a one, you know, something. Yeah. I ended like a pos one possibility. Erin brought up something that I hadn't thought of before. When she had her abortion, I was pregnant unexpectedly, and our good friend Katie had a one-year-old who was also unplanned. I do remember back at that time wanting to make sure Erin knew that she could do it, that we were here for her if she chose this path too. But once she made her decision, I didn't consider how she might have felt watching us walk one path while she was on another. I think um, watching, like, you like shortly after this situation like watching you and Katie like raise babies um I think that was hard on me a little bit just because I felt like oh they're fucking doing it you know they they've got this like they're struggling with all the normal like new parent struggles but you guys weren't planning on, you know, you guys weren't planning for that, right? At that point in your life. And you made it work. Like you got your shit together. Katie got her shit together, you know, just made it work. And so seeing that, I was just like, uh, you know, sometimes I was just like, uh, I could have made this work. And also I couldn't. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I've never thought about like how you would have felt after that time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, it's just like, was the rain, the range of emotions. Um, and thinking about that now, like going back to like how I like sometimes imagine like, Oh, they'd be, you know, this old and, um, thinking about that now, like, my pregnancy with Cyprus was not good, right? Mm-hmm. And not only was I like ill prepared to have a child, basically, if I had the pregnancy I had with Cyprus when I was that age, I don't know what I, you know. Oh my gosh. I, I was not prepared. I certainly wasn't par- prepared for pregnancy, and it was definitely not prepared to be like going through that. And so sometimes I think about like, well, maybe this was like, this was the right, you know, it makes me feel better about my choice, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Um, In that if you were going to have this type of pregnancy, like better to have it later in life in a stable environment, you are healthier, like all of those things. Yes, definitely. 
When Erin had her son five years later, it was a traumatic experience. She had an emergency C-section at 26 weeks and spent harrowing months with him in the NICU. So this reality also impacts her reflection on the past. She's thankful she went through that later in life when she had more tools to handle it. How does she look at it now? And what would it be like for her now? I don't know. I, you know, it's talking about like how easy it was for me to get an abortion and how like the, the actual act of getting it was the easiest part about the whole thing for me. And I just like, what if I lived in fucking like Alabama or, you know, didn't have a Planned Parenthood like six blocks from my house that had appointments available and were super nice about it. And what if when I went in, there were like a million people with signs, you know? Um, Yeah. It's so funny. Like just that was not that long ago. And I mean, it's not funny. It's sad how like drastically different people's experience with the whole process is than mine was. Right. Right. Um, and you know, it it's based on where I live and my the color of my skin and you know. Yeah, and you had somebody to drop you off at the doctor and pick you up and right. A level of support. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously politically, Aaron and I are both pro-choice. Here's how she's feeling right now with Roe v. Wade being overturned and everything that's happening at the state levels. It's scary. It's fucking scary. It's really scary. And just infuriating. Behind like the fear around it is just rage. It's scary. It's just like, you know, this is... Um, like it's just so big it's just so big it's such a huge right that has been taken away and it's infuriating because it's you know like a fucking giant step backwards yeah it's not just like this tiny little step backwards oh we can make it up and we can you know we can push ahead it's like huge 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 leap backwards mm-hmm. it's frustrating because yeah it should be a, there, there shouldn't even be an argument about it right like I don't know how to feel about this yet you know what I mean yeah. I know I'm mad but it's just I don't have like the I don't have the words for how mad I am right now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah, and I know that like the rage needs to be channeled into action, you know, at some right. point. And it's like in California, I sometimes don't know what to do. I'm sure I can Google and someone <laughs> has the <laughs> yeah. answer, but it's like yeah. for the most part, like we're good in California. This is, you know, this right is not going to be removed from us anytime soon. So how right. do we ensure that like other women in other states are going to have access to this right too? Like where do we channel our energy and our money like mm-hmm. to to fix it? It doesn't feel clear cut with this. Each state gets to make their own decision model, you know? No, 
no and I feel like it's just since the pandemic it's it's sort of been this like that's the default you know like just everyone's on the road you fucking deal with your people in your estate and we'll deal with ours in the meantime like there's backward ass states out there with like people not agreeing with what their leaders are doing right and yeah it's just like we're I don't feel like we're a unified country about this I feel like the vast majority of people are unified about it but like piecing it out state by state it's like we're not right yeah it's it's hard like you're right it's so hard to tackle because it's like well what what state do I get like where you know it's all scrambled right exactly yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean what is it the latest data is like 70 percent of Americans support the right to choose I think it's 80 yeah it's super high and yeah our government bodies are not representative of you know racial and gender differences and so we've got all these white dudes that are making this call that are not representative of what the American people want and part of it is they don't hear these stories like they don't understand how common this is and that the people that they love in their lives need this health care, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're making yeah. some kind of moral judgment from this high place with like limited understanding of both history and the current state of the world. Right. Frustrating. Right. So frustrating. And their daughters will have access right? It doesn't really affect them. Well, and to a certain extent, I also think that like, because there's also the shame of getting pregnant, mm-hmm. right? So you have the, the shame of having an abortion, right? But then a lot of young women also carry the shame of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. So these politicians are also driving their children <laughs> towards abortion because like either way yes and where they're judged right yes yeah that's exactly it so you're, exactly you're it. screwed as, as a woman you're screwed either way oh for sure do you want long term sure. screwed or short term screwed that's your question <laughs> right, right right yeah no totally Devin and i have been talking a lot about this and he he thinks even Republicans are like, oh, fuck, we've got, you know, this has gone too far. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. But they can't, they can't say shit about They've it. They've gone because, too far down this path. <laughs> right. Like, we didn't really want this to happen, right? right? Totally. Like, this is like, yeah, we've, we've let this train out of the station and it's just moving on its own, but we can't, like, go back on, you know what I mean? We, we've got to still let these people think that we're with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some truth there for sure. You're right, too. It's like there's no, I don't, there's a lot of plans to like get us back on track, but there's no like one like this is it. You know what I mean? There's not one like clear leader with a plan about getting us anywhere near back on track it's a lot of scattered kind of smaller ideas and people doing a lot of work sort of all over the place in different ways but um i um have been 
happily naive about how that happened back in you know back in the 70s like how who where where was the plan then right yeah i've heard a lot maybe you've heard about this too about like iceland about women basically striking i am so on board with that yeah like that sounds like a good plan i'll not work yeah (laughs) i really want the women's march to step into this gap and maybe they are and i'm just like not aware but like we've been on board with them for four years now like we've Mm -hmm. been screaming at least on an annual basis (laughs) about this issue for four years so like Mm -hmm. yeah we need you know whatever january 4th walk out and all (laughs) all people that are pro-choice should right like not just women all people that that believe women should have that right so right yeah dare women's march please (laughs) do you hear this request (laughs) please initiate a strike <laughs> they're like bitch go to our instagram we've already posted it <laughs> I know. We've been, like emailing you every day right. about this <laughs> we've been asking you for two dollars and you refuse to reply <laughs> the strike aaron mentioned in iceland was in 1975 of Iceland's female population participated, not going to paid jobs or doing housework or child rearing. And Parliament passed a law guaranteeing equal pay the following year. Look it up. I think a lot of people's political views on this issue have shifted. In the 1990s and early 2000s, in an age where this right was solidly in place, some could view it myopically as a single issue, an action they could believe was a binary, moral, right versus wrong. But as the abuse of women was normalized through 45's language and ultimate election, as the threat to women's rights has grown and culminated in this Supreme Court decision, we've had to take a real look at abortion clicking open the aperture to understand all the other things that impact women, and thus family planning. This issue is far too complex to dig into on this show, but I asked Erin how her own view of abortion has changed over the past 15 years, and it was a combination of science and spirituality. Um, I think the, you know, the big thing was just scientifically understanding what it was that I chose to do. And then, you know, that really was what allowed me to reconcile. Like, okay, let let me let the logical brain take over here for a minute and realize what it is. And also I think like, honestly, I think being a mother helped me like change a lot of my thinking around a lot of things. Mm. Um, if you want to get into like the whole faith, I mean, when you're a mother, you understand, like you understand a glimpse of what God's love is like. I feel like you get this whole epiphany about what humanity is and what love is and what, what's important. And I just feel like I weigh much more like what's much more weight with, the quality of people's lives than I do to this like scientific procedure. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. 
And also, like, I think as, like, the whole Me Too movement and, you know, as more women tell their stories and you realize how fucking common it is and just how fucked up the patriarchy has been in general, like, that it's an important piece of power to have power over yourself, right, Right. and your own decisions. Um, And I guess I just sort of, I think a lot of us just didn't wake up to that, like, Mm -hmm. until the last, like, 10 or so years, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your view on it has changed at all, too? I mean, I know you went from, like, crying with this friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. About it, but yeah, I mean just learning about the world, like becoming an adult mm-hmm. person <laughs> and learning right. about the world and yeah, and learning about God. You know, I had like such yeah. a fear-based view of God. And so I love right. the way you were talking about like becoming a mother, like understanding the love that you would have for, you know, your creatures or whatever that you right. like yeah, I just, the the fear has really fallen away. And I think that, I think God gives us permission to make the decisions that we need to make. Like, I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely don't have like a moral judgment on it anymore. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I think we yeah. all like want to do our best. I mean, I think you would even say like that wasn't your best, right? No, no. <laughs> but it's a thing that happened and it doesn't hold any more weight than like anything else that we've like learned and grown through right 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 it's something I didn't want to happen I didn't want that to happen I didn't go out seeking that it was um a hard choice yeah and yeah also just want to call out like what you've been able what you've done with your life since then I mean working in nonprofits and like moving your way through the ladder in your career and like serving homeless people and working at the food bank and serving a congregation that's doing good things and having a son who's now what 11 11 your son who and going through everything you went through with him as far as like being a preemie and like getting him to yeah. the age of 11 is amazing and getting sober you've been sober for six years like I'm mm-hmm. just so proud of everything that you've done in your life and that was one stage in your journey to where you are now so thank you. you that's so sweet hold do you have to go child um I'm almost done so take a shower and then we can talk about what your request is what are you guys doing uh literally nothing (laughs) (laughs) that's my kiddo interrupting us my kiddo who started as a possibility that i chose to carry and birth and parent and now i want them to have agency over their body to have power over their choices to make their own spiritual moral intellectual physical decisions for themselves so i vote accordingly I can't make this world perfect for them, but I can at least try to give them the free will that God intended and the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that this country claims to provide. 
Of course, the Women's March is on it. They have a national weekend of action scheduled October 7th through the 9th, with a march on Washington and DC October 8th. Go to womensmarch.com to learn more or find a march in your area. And if there's not one, you can host your own sister march. After this conversation with Erin, she listened to the episode and called me for a chat while out walking her dog. It was like super interesting how everything sort of cascaded this week, like realizing, realizing what I was doing. (laughs) Erin was obviously ready to tell the internet about her abortion story. But when it got down to brass tacks, she hadn't realized that that included everyone she knows in real life. My first boyfriend ever is following you. So it's like, all right, if I'm going to tell my first boyfriend ever, I just have to let it go. I'm like not trying to control the situation with like telling everyone first. And my first boyfriend from when I was like 16 years old knows this. I'm just going to have to figure everyone does. Right? <laughs> right. And I'm like all the people that's like the last person you would ever tell. So, mm-hmm. so now I just have to like jump. The realization everyone will know my personal business brought up brand new feelings and steps to take. She was faced with decisions to make related to her real relationships, close family and friends, her extended community. My first, you know, I was first like, okay, I got to tell our friends, right? Because we talk about how I didn't tell them in the podcast and it would be better if they heard this coming from me rather than just be surprised by this like podcast where I'm talking about not telling them because I'm afraid of judgment and I'm ashamed and all that. So I was like, all right, I was gearing up. I was like, okay, I'm going to just call, call these bitches and tell them I had an abortion. Right. And then it was going to get, pretty time intensive, pretty quick, because I realized, oh, wait, not just my friends. I didn't really think through how I would go like, so on the record and so public about it. Ultimately, she decided to jump and let the pieces fall where they may. And this is why. At the same time, you know, that's my motivation for not keeping a secret anymore is that I want it to be normalized and, you know, not not be stigmatized or some weird thing that no one you ever knew got done. And thank God that never happened to anyone you knew, but it's just a procedure. <laughs> totally. So, yeah, I just, I really just have to not care. Right, because you um, can't control it, right? Right. You can't control who's going to hear it, how they're going to feel about it, the the actions that you should or should not have taken. There's no control. So like set the, set the birdie free from the nest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's weird because it's like, if we're talking about my gallbladder removal surgery, you know, I would have none of these thoughts. I would have zero thoughts about it, but obviously this is just has a different weight. And so I'm, you know, yeah, I still got like, you know, lingering shame, I guess, because if it was totally gone, you know, it would be as easy as talking about gallbladder removal. 
And I found myself like looking through your follower list individually going, what would they think? What will they think? You know, right. and that was just part of letting go of control. Cause I do like, I really, really, really believe that it's necessary to talk about this stuff and just let go of the fear. She let go of the fear and she let go of control. She found herself thinking about someone close to her who recently shared their own abortion story. And at the time I was like, oh, that's so badass, you know? And then now that I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, she probably felt a lot of these feelings. Right. Like once she says that, it's out there. She has no control over what people think. Did, did that impact you at all? Like your ability to basically tell your story? Yeah, yeah. And that's really? part of the reason I wanted to, because I know that her doing that freed me up a little bit to do the same, right? She was feeling strong. And then something popped up on the news this week that added a new fear to her list. Republicans basically trying to charge people with murder who have had an abortion. We joked about how I could record her trial and become the new Rabia Chaudhry. And then I got serious. I mean, what what is your actual level of fear with that? I mean, it's minimal right now. But, but it's, it's like there. Just, right, but it's just the fact that, like, other women in other states, it would be a more real mm-hmm. situation, right? So. Right. And if, I don't know, if, like, the next, it seems like the next step is to make it, like, a national ban, right? That's like their next plan of action, in which case we're all fucked. Anyway, so that, I mean, that definitely has crossed my mind. And there's, you know, there are people who follow you who think that way. So, you know, that was another like sort of consideration. It's sort of both sides. What will they think? And also, what will they do? (laughs) You know? Um, and also, like, maybe they need to hear a human story of someone they sort of kind of know through right. a couple degrees of separation. Right. I don't have a lot of hope and optimism for changing anyone's mind, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just feel like there's always an opportunity for learning. Right. Regardless right. of whether you're going to convince somebody of something or not, you know? Right. Right. So with those potentially real fears and personal concerns, she decided on her approach. First, yes, a message to her close friends, but everything else, fuck all to the rest. If you think you might want to share your own abortion story, here's Erin's advice and the benefits. As we speak, this episode is not out yet, but right. do you have any advice for anyone in your shoes that, like, wants to tell their story? Call Abby. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> AbbyNormalPodcast at gmail.com. Highly recommend. I don't know. Thinking through, like, who didn't you tell who may be hurt by your going public with it? People have a lot of feelings about this, a lot of feelings all across the board about it. But I also think it's okay to be brave and let it go 
part of really letting go of it. Like, it not only is helping like humanize it, right? Like talking about it is good. And, but it also helped me just like fully just have to give up the shame around it and like work through all of those like ingrained notions of like right and wrong, you know, that have been taught to us. And really just like, I don't know, it's been a really interesting and I think really good experience for me. And listening back, you sent me like the first episode or the first cut of the episode, listening to it. It was like therapy. Really? It was like really, really, really helpful to hear, I don't know, just to hear myself talking about it. It helps me like kind of formulate my own formulate like what was it I was feeling about it and so anyway I encourage anyone who's feeling brave enough to share their story but you know maybe you can go in with a little more like <laughs> eyes wide open about <laughs> right what it what it would about take. yeah what it would take that's all one more benefit of sharing your truth those things that we keep secret right Right. When we finally like open our fist and just share them and let them go, they kind of just like become integrated into us and they're not right. like, like separate thing from us. Right. Right. Oh, you're totally, totally, totally right. And that yeah. feels so good because then it's like I'm a I'm a whole person. I include all these things, you know, instead of this like secret rock. Yeah, it feels really good. And it just like transitions something from like, it takes a lot of energy to hold a secret. You know what I mean? It takes a lot of mental energy. And even if I'm not thinking about it, it still took space. Right. Right. Because it wasn't integrated. We've got one more abortion story coming in the future. Another Aaron, though spelled with an A. He shares how he's processed the abortion decision he made. He grew up evangelical and he's a pastor now. So I think that there's a lot of like theological ideas around the soul and like when life begins. Right. That I can dig into with him and he has a, you know, I can't really speak to that stuff in like a cohesive way. Right, 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 totally. <laughs> totally. It's like, I can't tell you when it begins, but I know that wasn't it. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I just yes. know that part wasn't it. Thank you so much, my darling. Thank you. I love you. Bye. I love you too. Bye. <laughs>